Welcome to the Karis Christian Center podcast. God, it's so good. So great to see everybody. We've been sharing from Galatians. We've been talking about grace, and we've been a few other places. But uh, today we're in Galatians chapter 5, and we're going to talk about a new system, a system of grace. Amen? And guess what? When you get a new operating system, you've got to get new programs to go with it. Because if you still have the old program, the new system will not work correctly. And we just had an example of this, you know, in our church. How many of it feels good in here? It feels warm today. Well, you know, we were having trouble. We have a big unit over here. It's number 12. Number 11's over there. Number 11 is air conditioning. Number 12 is heat and air because it takes a lot more air than heat. But... Um, we spent a lot of money on three units here this summer. We just got the bill this week. It was 64000 plus, right? And we spent some we, we We were planning on forty-five to 55000 uh, but the children's church broke down and ran out all the Freon, and they charged us $18,000 for the Freon for that. And we had to have it fixed, so we just fixed it, praise God, and now we're paying for it. But... Even though we spent all this money on these units, we were having major trouble with them. So Daryl, my guy, was working, and he contacted the guy we use, who actually is the guy that put these units in, said they're very good units. They should have a lot more life and all this. But he couldn't figure it out, so he contacted the highest guy he knew in Colorado Springs, and, and they got him involved. And he said, well, the problem is that you have two programs that are trying to run this system. And the, the one program that you're running is working, but then the other program comes in, praise God, and it shuts it down. And that's like the law and grace. Because we started out in grace, and that's exactly what Paul was talking about in Galatians. You started out in grace, you started out believing Jesus, but now your old mentality, this old legalism, these legalistic people are causing grace to be ineffective in your life. And it's because subconsciously you just keep going back to this old law. And, and you know, we see examples of it all the time. In fact, I upset somebody's, you know, first service because of the example I used, but it was a good example. Of, they just, you know, these legalists just won't let go. And Paul got mad at them. Uh, people probably thought Paul was overboard on grace too. Um, but anyway, I might be a little overboard, but listen, it's changed my life, and I know how deadly that legalism is, and that's really what Paul is talking about. And so here in Galatians chapter 5, we'll read verse 6. He says, for in Jesus Christ, neither circumcision avails anything nor uncircumcision. It's not keeping the law or not keeping the law. But he says, faith which works by love. And when he says faith which works by love, what he's literally talking about is faith works when you understand the grace of God, right? When you get a revelation of grace, when you get, if you read this in context, when you get a revelation of the love of God for you, it will cause your faith to work. Amen. And when you get that, listen, it will transform your life. And it took me a long time to get it. The reason maybe I'm so passionate against legalism is because I was one, right? And, and I, 
I see how deadly it was in my own life, and I also see how deadly it is in other people's lives. And not only was I one, I still see it, and I see how deadly it is, and Paul's really addressing that. So he says, you have this new system of grace. So if you're going to operate in this system of grace, you've got to have a new program. It's called faith, it's called love, and it's called life. Amen? You've got to have a program of faith, love, and life. We're going to look at this. Now, in Romans chapter 3, verse 27, Paul says, boasting has been excluded. He says, by what law? By the law of faith. So faith is a law, and your faith will work for you when you understand it. Praise God. So we live under a new system, right, of grace, but faith is a law that works under grace. In fact, grace is what makes faith work. Faith works by love. Faith works when you understand grace, right? He goes on later, and he talks about not only the law of faith, but he talks about the law of love. Love is a law, right? And the spirit, the law of, he talks about this in Romans, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Those are the spiritual laws that govern the new covenant, that govern this new system. And a lot of times you start out in grace, but if you're not careful, that old legalism, that old law, that old religion will crop up. And you know what? I know it's deadly. It's deadly just like sin. I hate sin. Don't get me wrong. I hate sin. You know why? In Romans 6, Paul says, we don't sin because we're dead to it. We're free from it. We have authority over it, and it'll kill you. I hate sin. But I hate legalism, too, because legalism, just like sin, will kill you. It is deadly, and I know it. I've seen it. Amen? So I might be a little passionate. I think Paul was very, very passionate about this subject because he was one. And so we're going to go back to the first of this, but another scripture along with uh, Romans chapter 3, verse 27, is Romans chapter 11, verse 6. And in Romans chapter 11, verse 6, Paul's talking about God's plan of righteousness for Jews and Gentiles in Romans 9, 10, and 11. And he says this, talking about salvation. He says, if it's by grace, then it's no more by works. Otherwise, grace is no more grace. But if it be of works, then it is no more grace. Otherwise, work is no more work. Amen. Either Jesus saved you or you saved you, but it wasn't Jesus plus you that saved you. Amen? It wasn't you being the best you can be and then adding on Jesus. Man at his best, David said, is altogether vanity. Man at his best is a sinner that needs a Savior. So it wasn't you being the best you can be and adding on Jesus. It wasn't, you know, getting saved, right, and then adding on, you know, Jesus did all, then I'm going to do all I can do. It's not about you doing all you can do. It's about giving up and believing. It's about giving up and trusting Jesus. Let's go back to verse 1, Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. Paul's talking about the gospel equation. And he makes a statement here, and he says in Galatians chapter 5, verse 1, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty, in the freedom wherewith Christ has made us free, and don't be entangled again with the, with the yoke of bondage. He calls legalism, he calls law-keeping a yoke of bondage. In another translation, he says, 
It is for freedom Christ set us free. One says this, Christ set us free to live the free life. Now, in the free life, you get to do what you want to do, but I'm talking about your new spirit, your new creation man, living out of your spirit. Amen? I get to love people. I get to give. I get to go to church. I can get to pray. I get to do all these good things. Praise God. And I want to do it. Praise God. I, I, I don't do a bunch of things that I used to do because I don't want to. Praise God. Now, Paul actually met with the, the leaders of the church in Acts chapter 15, and he discussed this subject. And he, he said, you know, and he said, why are you trying to put a yoke of bondage on these Gentile believers, which we could not bear? This didn't work. And it plainly doesn't work. It didn't work for us. We couldn't be free. It didn't free us. It didn't help us. It held us captive. And so why are you trying to add something to Jesus, period? And he goes on and talks a little bit about this. In verse 2, he says, I, Paul, say to you that if you be circumcised, Christ shall profit you nothing. So if you take Jesus, right, plus circumcision, Jesus plus circumcision equals nothing. If you take Jesus plus, because this is the problem with law-keeping, you ought to keep adding things to it. And Galatians 3.10 says, Cursed is everyone who continues not in all the things written in the law to do them. Jesus plus circumcision plus law-keeping equals nothing. Or if you take Jesus plus, right? Because here's what happens at church. We say you come to Jesus just like you are. You accept Jesus. You believe Jesus. But then we say, now you got to go to church. Now you got to pay your tithes. Now you got to read your Bible. Now you got to pray. Now you got to love your neighbor. And now you can't drink. You can't cuss. You can't smoke. You can't dance. You can't play cards. You can't watch movies. Right? I've heard all these things preached. Right? We add all these things to Jesus. Right? And that's like law-keeping. It, it's never enough. And at the end of the day, you just can't do it. So if you live under that law, it'll kill you. Praise God. So what he's saying is Jesus plus circumcision equals nothing. Jesus plus law-keeping equals nothing. Jesus plus anything. Jesus plus not something equals nothing. So the simple equation of the gospel is this. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Amen? It's just Jesus, period. Now, he, he goes on and says this. Notice what he says. For I testify to every man who's circumcised, everyone who's trusting his performance of keeping the law. He's a debtor to the whole law. The problem, again, with law-keeping is you've got to keep it all, and nobody's ever kept even number one out of the Big Ten. Nobody's ever kept the Big Ten Nobody's kept the 620 that go with them, right? Because it's, you got to keep the whole law. And James 2 verse 10 says, if you offend the law in one point, you're guilty of it all. Because we tend to, as human people, as religious people, we tend to look at sin and we say, white lies, gray lies, black lies. Right? We, we try to say, cussing, drinking, adultery. Right? Don't we? We kind of put categories on sin. And listen, I hate sin, right? I'm not trying to condone sin anyway. But the way that I understand from the gospel to be free from it is really to get a revelation of grace. It's helped me 
immensely. And Paul was really struggling as a religious person, and I think Paul had a, a real revelation of this. Praise God. So he shared it. Amen? So he says, if you're going to be circumcised, if you're going to trust the law, the law says, number one, you shall have no other gods before me. Right? Now to the rich young ruler who said he kept all the law, the big 10 plus the 620 that go with him, Jesus said, go do this. He said, I've kept it all. Jesus said, oh, you've got one fault. Go sell your goods, give to the poor, come follow me. And he went away sorrowful because he had many possessions. That's Mark chapter 10. So Jesus, he was saying he kept them all. Jesus said, no, you didn't even keep number one. Right? And nobody's ever kept them all. And the only way, Jesus is the fulfillment of God's righteous law. And the only way to get right before God's believe Jesus and have his righteousness imputed to you. Amen? Your sin was imputed to him. Amen? He became a sin offering for you. Now, as we look at this, he says in verse 4, Christ is become of no effect, ineffective to you. Whoever of you are justified by the law, you are fallen from grace. And Paul uses this term, fallen from grace. Now, when Paul is talking about fallen from grace, what's he talking about? Is he talking about black lies? Is he talking about adultery? I'm asking you in a biblical sense, what's he talking about? He's talking about law keeping. He's talking about legalism. And a lot of times we see this term used in church circles, and they're not talking about law keeping. They're not talking about legalism. They're just talking about sin. Don't get me right. I hate sin. Amen? I'm passionately right against sin. I hate sin any way it comes. Praise God. But the way to be free from it is believe Jesus. Praise God. Identify, in fact, Paul addresses that in Romans chapter 6. And he said, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we who are dead to sin live any longer therein? He says, you're dead to it. You're free from it. You have authority over it and it'll kill you. So you don't want to live in sin. But he says in Romans 7, just like sin kills you, legalism will kill you. And legalism is destructive. And so that's what he's still addressing here. Now, he says, Christ has become ineffective to you. Whoever you are justified by the law, you're fallen from grace. What does fallen from grace mean? Is he talking about you've lost your salvation? Is he talking about you're going to hell? Is that what he's saying? Because that's usually how it's used in the religious church that talks about fallen from grace. They usually talk about it's a major sin. And, and listen, I'm against sin, right? But I'm not... The way to be free from sin is to believe Jesus and to trust Jesus, identify with Jesus. But legalism will not free you from sin. And, and so when Paul uses the term fallen from grace, he's not talking about big sin, little sin. He's talking about legalism. That's what he's using. Now, let me give you an example of what I think he's talking about. I don't think he's talking about when he says fallen from grace. I don't think he's talking about losing your salvation. I don't think he's talking about rejecting your salvation. I think what he's talking about is missing out on the blessing of God. And if you're trusting anything besides Jesus for your salvation and for the promises, so on and so forth, you're going to miss out on a lot of blessing. 
Let me give you an example from this scripture in Mark chapter 11. In verse 22, Jesus says this. He says, have faith in God. Verse 23, he goes on to say, for whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast in the sea and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, shall have whatsoever he saith. Verse 24, therefore, whatsoever things you desire when you pray, I like to turn it around and say, when you pray, what do you desire? When you get in the presence of God, what do you want? Whatsoever things you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. Then in verse 25, he says, and when you stand praying, forgive if you have any little thing against anyone. If you have aught against anyone, Pastor Lawson, when you stand praying, if you have any little thing, I'm counseling myself right now. If you have any little thing, against anyone, you forgive them, you let it go. Then he says this in verse 26, this is where I was getting. He says, oh, I'm in Matthew, it'd be better if I was in Mark. Mark chapter 11, verse 26. He says this in verse 26, but if you do not forgive, neither will your father, which is in heaven, forgive your trespasses. Now, does that mean that if Pastor Lawson has unforgiveness in his heart towards someone, that Pastor Lawson is going to hell? And he says, if you don't forgive, God won't forgive you. God's forgiven you a lot, right? So you need to forgive others. In fact, I had an issue in my life years and years ago. I was taken out of my grandfather's will and there was some different things that happened, you know, leading up to that. And I had some unforgiveness in my heart. I was pastoring. I was a little bit upset, right? Very upset, to be honest with you. And so I went for pastoring for two years. Every time I went to somebody else meeting, somebody else was preaching God was dealing with me about forgive, forgive. I'm like, Lord, I forgive them. Lord, I love them. Help me love them. Help me forgive them, right? Because I knew in my spirit that I had the love of God, the unconditional love of God, that I had forgiveness in my spirit. But I was really struggling in my soul. So finally, after about two years, Barbara said, Lawson, the reason your grandfather took you out of the will wasn't anything about you. He wanted his dream to live on beyond his life. And the way that he thought that he could make that happen was by taking you out of the will, right, and some other people, and giving it all to this one person. And that's what he did. And when Barbara said that, guess what? I not only had forgiveness and love in my spirit, but it healed my soul. And when my soul was healed, then I was, it was easy for me to forgive these people, right? And so it's not always easy, but you know what, so if I, I read this and I didn't take this scripture, Mark eleven twenty six, 26, in context with other scriptures, I could draw the, the understanding that if I had unforgiveness in me, I'm going to hell. But I literally don't believe I was going to hell. I believe I was going to heaven the whole time. But God, in my spirit, see, but God had to work a place in my soul and heal my soul and he did that through the body, 
for the people around me, right? So that I could get that working from my spirit to working in my body. In fact, 1 John chapter 5 says, there is a sin unto death. I don't say that you should pray for that. But if it's not the sin, right, of rejecting Jesus, and if you read Hebrews chapter 10, verse 26, it says, if we sin willfully after we've received the knowledge of the truth, there remains no more sacrifice for sin, right? That's a specific sin. If you read it in context, he's talking about the sin of rejecting Jesus. Because in Hebrews 10, verse 29, he talks about doing despite to the spirit of grace and trotting underfoot the Son of God and counting the blood of the covenant wherewith you were sanctified an unholy thing. To me, that is the only sin, right? That is not forgiven. And that's talking about rejecting Jesus as your Savior. And I think you, you have to be at a very close, personal relationship with God right according to Hebrews chapter 6, verse 3 to verse 6, to even be in a place where you could do that. I think very few people would ever do that if they were in that place. But I, I think God forgives people with unforgiveness. Amen? And I think if I would have died when I was pastoring, right, when I was having a challenge with unforgiveness, I think I would have went to heaven. But here's what I think unforgiveness does I think unforgiveness causes you to miss out on the blessing of God. I think unforgiveness clogs the pipe between you and Jesus and makes it hard for you to receive from God. And there's some things, I don't, I don't want unforgiveness in my life. I don't want envying and strife in my life because James chapter 3 says where envying and strife is, there's confusion in every evil work. Amen? So I don't want unforgiveness. I don't want envying and strife. But sometimes people have issues and sometimes it takes them a while to get over it. I think God understands that. Amen? But what's keeping you out of heaven is whether you're born again or not born again. So if you're born again, you die. I believe your spirit and soul is going to be with God in heaven. Amen? So when Paul talks about uh, falling from grace, and I think he's talking about, listen, guys, you're going to miss out on some major blessings, some major good things that God has for your life if you don't let go of this legalism and completely trust Jesus. And he goes on and says this in verse 5. He says, For we through the Spirit wait for the hope of righteousness, which is by faith. We're hoping for good things, amen, in the Spirit, through, through faith. For in Christ Jesus, again, he says this, it's not circumcision that avails anything. It's not law-keeping. It's not uncircumcision. It's not not keeping the law. It's not keeping the law, but it is, what's he say? Faith, which works by love. It's simply faith in Jesus. So the gospel equation is this, Jesus plus anything equals nothing. Jesus plus nothing equals everything, right? That's the gospel equation. Then he goes on and Paul talks about legalism and he says some things to me and, and I just got this. So it may be, maybe you think I beat the cow to death, but listen, I just got these things. So this is revelation to me and why I think legalism is so bad. Number one, he says in verse seven, you did run well, who did hinder you that you should not obey the truth. Legalism hinders you. 
Legalism will not help you. It will hurt you. It will hold you back from the good things God has for you. He says this persuasion in verse 8 does not come of him who calls you. Legalism is not of God. Amen. He says in verse 9, a little leaven leavens the whole lump. Legalism is just like sin. Legalism is contagious. A little bit goes a long ways. And it starts affecting more and more people. He says in verse 10, I have confidence in you through the Lord that he who troubles you shall bear his judgment. Ultimately, whoever he be, ultimately legalism will hinder those who are preaching it. And I've seen people, right? They come in, they get a hold of grace, they're moving forward for a little bit, but then they just won't let go of that old program. They just got to hold on to that old program. And, when they, and you know what? It stops the blessing of God. It stops the good things of God. And ultimately, it hurts them. I've watched it. Legalism does not produce life. It produces death. And he says this. If I, brethren, in verse 11, preach circumcision, why do I suffer persecution? Then the offense of the cross is ceased. Do you know what? The cross is offensive to legalistic people. And you know why the cross is offensive to legalistic people? Because the cross says Jesus paid it all. The, the cross says Jesus did it all. The cross says there's nothing you can do to improve on it. There's nothing you can do to add to it. The cross says it is finished. Amen. And legalism, you know, somehow we think we have to add something to Jesus. And, and some people just, like I say, they just hold on to it. They seem like they never graduate from the law school. They just stay there. And so he says, the offense of the cross has ceased. He says, finally, in verse 12, I would that they were even cut off who trouble you. Now, Paul is passionate. Now, this means one of two things, right? This means... Either, A, listen, if circumcision works so well, why don't you just go the whole way and castrate yourself? And a lot of Bible scholars believe that it means that. And I can see Paul saying, listen, I've had some people mess up in icky sin, and I've said some things when I'm preaching once in a while like, what they need is a knife and a rope and a gun. Because I was so mad. Because how dumb can you be and still breathe? I mean, that's because of sin. That's not because of legalism. That's because of stupid. Sin is stupid anyway. You cut it. And, and you have to forgive me because Pastor Lawson's a passionate person, okay? But sin is stupid. And some things you just... Some places you shouldn't go as believers and some things you shouldn't do. But I can see Paul, right, in his defense of the gospel, in his defense of grace, I can see Paul saying something like that. But it also could mean this, and the Old Testament talks about this. In Numbers chapter 19, I'm reading through Numbers right now. We'll look at a couple of verses, uh, verse 13, Numbers 19, verse 13, and Numbers 19, verse 30. 
And the law talks about this in a number of ways. Whoever touches the dead body of any man that is dead and purifies not himself defiles the tabernacle of the Lord. And that soul will be cut off from Israel because the water of separation was not sprinkled on him. He will be unclean. His uncleanness is yet upon him. What's Paul saying? If they stay in sin, we'll, cut, we'll separate them, right? Because they defile the whole congregation. Paul says, listen, if people are going to hold on to this legalism, I'd rather separate them out because, because their, their legalism is actually hindering a lot of people. And he says this in verse 20 uh, of Numbers. Uh, Moses wrote this, the man shall be unclean and shall not purify himself. That soul will be cut off from on the, uh, among the congregation. So if people hold on to their legalism long enough, Paul said, listen, I just wish they'd be separated out because ultimately they're, they're drawing a lot of people away and they're hurting a lot of people. So to me, here's what, what Paul's saying in Galatians about why legalism is so negative. He said legalism doesn't work because it hinders you. It's not of God. It's contagious. Ultimately, it hurts those who proclaim it. it, it caught, legalistic people persecute other people. I don't know if you've been around them, but they're like, you do it my way or the highway. That's the way it is. I've had people tell me when I started this church, I had a man that heard me preaching on the radio and he said, can you come visit me? And I went to see him and he showed me his basement full of television equipment and all these different things. And he said, listen, Pastor Lawson, I'd love to put you on television and pay for it and do all the production and everything. I've got it all right here. You're a great minister of the gospel. Only one condition. I said, what? You separate yourself from Andrew Womack. You know what I told him? I said, well, that'd be like telling Timothy to leave Paul. That's like the dumbest thing I've ever heard. And I'm not going to do that, right? Because they want to proclaim their legalistic agenda. And I've seen this type of behavior. I've seen people, right, when you're saying, listen, that's not going to fly here. That's not going to go here. We're not going to do that way. Well, we're taking the highway, right? Because it's deadly. Legalism is deadly. And so ultimately... It, it causes persecution. It, it's, it causes the cross to be offensive, and ultimately it causes separation. Amen? So Paul says legalism's deadly. So we've got to operate by a new program. If we're going to operate under this system, under this new covenant of grace. And the new covenant, again, is the program is faith, Right, the law of faith, boasting's excluded, Romans 3.27. Because of the law of faith, faith works by love. Right, when you understand the grace of God, your faith works. Number two, it is love. It's a new pro program of love. Jesus said this in John 13, verse 34 and verse 35. A new commandment I give you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you love one another. So shall you be my disciples. Right By this shall all men know that you're my disciples because you love one another. Now let's read in verse 13 through 15 of Galatians 5. He says, for brethren, you've been called unto freedom. Only don't use your freedom for an occasion to serve the flesh, but by love serve one another. Let the love of God rule you. 
Let the love of God be a factor in determining how you treat your brothers, what, how you make your decisions, right? He says, for all the law is fulfilled in one word, even this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor, do unto others what you would have them do unto you. And in Romans chapter 13, verse eight through verse 10, uh, Paul actually says this in Romans 13. He says, oh, no man, anything but to love one another for he that loves another has fulfilled the law. Hallelujah. So just keep loving one another. For this, you will not commit adultery. You will not kill. You will not steal. You will not bear false witness. You will not covet. If there's any other commandment, it's briefly comprehended in this saying, namely, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love works no ill to his neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. Amen. Paul, uh, John says this, 1 John chapter 4, verse 7 and 8. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. Everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He that loves not does not know God, for God is love. This is the new covenant law. You can't love your neighbor and lie about him. You can't love your neighbor and steal, about, steal from him. You can't, you can't love your neighbor and commit adultery. Praise God. You can't love yourself and commit adultery. You can't love God and commit adultery. Amen? I'm talking about if you're letting love rule you. So the new covenant law is the law of love. Amen? The law of faith, the law of love. And he says this in verse 15, but if you bite and devour one another, take heed that you be not consumed of one another. That's how legalism makes you. So you're just mad at everybody all the time, right? So you got to get over it, <laughs> amen? Say, Pastor Lawson, get over it. Let it go, amen? I've had a few things. Listen, if you, if you haven't been offended yet, come to church for a while and somebody will give you a reason to be offended. And if somebody else hasn't offended you, I probably will. I'm not trying to offend people, but sometimes I do. Now, he goes on and says this in verse 16. This I say then, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Amen. This is the other aspect of this new operating system. It's faith, it's love, and it's life. Walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh, right? It, now, what that doesn't say is don't walk in the flesh and you'll walk in the spirit. I tried that. I grew up in a traditional church, right? In our traditional church, we say, get saved, repent, don't sin, repent, don't sin, don't sin, repent, repent, don't sin, don't sin, don't sin. Get saved, repent, and don't sin. And you know what we did? We went to church, we got saved, we went and repented, and we went and sinned because that's what we preached. But I found out there's a better way to live. I found out when I got baptized in the Holy Spirit and found out that God's for me and found out that he had all these wonderful things for me that, that I don't have to, I can take the focus off me and off of sin and put the focus on Jesus. And when I walk out of the darkness, I walk into the light. Paul says it this way in Ephesians 5 verse 8, you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. And you know why I don't sin? I don't sin because I don't want to. Amen? You know why I love my neighbor? You know why I give? You know why I go to church? Amen? Because I want to. Amen? Hallelujah. It's 
Life in the Spirit. Now, he says, walk in the Spirit, you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So the key to overcoming is walking in the Spirit. I love what Paul says in Romans chapter 8, verse 1 through verse 4, this new system that we operate in. There is therefore now no condemnation, no judgment to those who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, who are not trusting their self, but after the Spirit. For he says in verse 2, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from this old law of sin and death. He says in verse 3, for what the law could not do and then is weak through the flesh, God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemned in sin in the flesh that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. Amen. So it's a spirit of life in Christ Jesus. I've got this brand new spirit. And when I let this spirit lead me, this spirit leads me into life. This spirit leads me into love. This spirit leads me into faith. This spirit leads me into the victory that Jesus won for me. And he goes on to say, for the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one one to another. So you cannot do the things that you would. You've been born again. You've got a new spirit. Let your new spirit rule. For if you be led of the spirit, you're not under the law. Again, if you be led of the spirit, you're not under the law. What's the goal of Christianity? To know him. That I may know him in the power of his resurrection being made conformable to his death, Paul says in Philippians 3.10. Hebrews 8 verse 11 says, they'll all know me from the least to the greatest and they won't need that someone teach them and tell them don't do this and do that, but they'll be led by the Spirit into the things of God. If you be led of the Spirit, you're not under the law. Now he says the works, notice that, the works of the flesh are, are made known, they're revealed, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanliness, all kinds of sexual sin, lasciviousness, just letting your flesh have whatever it wants, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, which means contention, emulations, which is striving to get ahead at the expense of another, wrath, determined, lasting anger, strife, sedition, having your own little clique, heresies, envies, murders, and drunkenness, and revelings. Like just throwing drunken brawl crazy parties, right? This is written in Romans time, Roman times. I mean, we don't have much on Rome. They had a lot of sin and ungodliness going on. And he says, uh, and such like, which I tell you before, as I've told you in the past, that they who do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. There's two ways to look at that. Shall not inherit the kingdom of God. One, you know what, is you're going to miss out on the good things of God on the on heaven, right? Now, if you're not born again, you are going to miss out on heaven, right? Another one is this. Romans 14, verse 17 says, the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. What happens to your peace and joy if you get in strife? It goes, it's gone, right? Exactly. What happens to your peace and joy if you get caught in sexual sin? I mean, you have none, right? So he said, so there's two ways to look at this. You're going to miss out on a lot of benefits of the kingdom of God if you get involved, right, in the flesh. So don't let the flesh rule. Let the spirit rule. Amen? Let the spirit of God lead you into the things of God. So he goes on and says this. 
in verse 22. But the fruit, right? The fruit of the Spirit. You have the Spirit of Christ in you. In your spirit, you have the nature of Jesus. The fruit of the Spirit is love. There's eight more. They all flow forth from love. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance. You may be dealing with a relationship that's really tough. It may be difficult, but I can tell you who you can control. You can control you. Amen? You can walk in love. Amen? You can operate in joy, in peace, in long-suffering. That's... <laughs> gentleness, goodness, goodness from that's God in you. Faith, you have the faith of Jesus in you. Meekness, right? Realizing it's Jesus and you're in Jesus and Jesus is in you. And temperate, self-control. You can operate in all these things. He says, against such there's no law. And they who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its affections and lusts. Are you Christ? This is what Christ's people do. Colossians 3, 5 says, mortify your members on earth. Fornication, all these different things, and also these little things. Get the big ones and the little ones, right? Put them to death. He says, they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with its affections and love. If we live in the Spirit, if we've been made alive in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let's walk in the Spirit. Amen. We've been made alive. We've been given the Spirit of Christ. Let us not be desirous of vainglory, provoking one another and envying one another. Amen. So if you'll let the Spirit rule you, amen, if you'll let the Spirit rule you, if you live in the Spirit, you'll also walk in the Spirit. Amen? So my conclusion is simple. It's Jesus and not us. It's not us and Jesus, and it's not Jesus plus us. It's Jesus, period. Amen? And Paul says this is the gospel equation. Jesus plus anything equals nothing, but Jesus plus nothing equals everything. It's Jesus, just Jesus. So keep your eyes on Jesus and let Jesus live big in you. Amen? And guess what? You'll live, amen, in a different way in this new system. You live by the law of faith. Believe in Jesus. The law of love. Amen? Letting Jesus live his life through you. Letting his love, his grace change your perspective of him and his grace change your perspective of other people. Also your perspective of yourself. Amen? And the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Just letting the spirit of Jesus live big in you. Love you. Aaron's going to come. Thank you for listening to the Karis Christian Center podcast. If you would like to receive prayer, product, or more information about the ministry, go to www.karischristiancenter.com or call us at 719-418-4000.